thank you for being here today. It's just an awesome thing. Um, I just thank God for you. Thank God for the opportunity to share this morning with you. I'm going to get right into this this morning and uh, because I'm really been excited about getting to this place to share this particular uh, message with you. Um, and I've got something that's going to just uh, bless you prepared here this morning. And um, not because I prepared it, but you're going to you're going to, you're going to hear from, um, I believe the spirit of the Lord as he speaks to you. Amen. We've been talking about undaunted faith and to be undaunted means that it's not easily discouraged and it doesn't mean that, it, you know, that we haven't been discouraged. How many of you would just be honest and say, yeah, I, I have been discouraged. You know, that's, that's that's the journey. The, even Abraham got to a point in his life where his faith got, he got weak in a moment and he, he complained actually to God and, and, um, and God, like that tempest, brought him through a storm and, and brought him to a place of realization. So that's what this is really all about and, um, last week we did part one in this and we talked about faith. Here's the key verse that's out of Romans 1, 16 and 17. It says, I have complete confidence in the gospel. See, how many of you know that you can put your confidence in the gospel? There's not too many things in this world that you can put your complete confidence in. But I, I can assure you that you can put your confidence in the gospel. And he says it's God's power to save all who believe. Amen? The gospel is the, is the means that God uses to save us. And so um, he says first to the Jews and also the Gentiles. For the gospel reveals how God puts people right with himself. That's why God even allows these tempests. That's why God orchestrates some tempests. You know, some storms are from the devil, you know, and some storms are orchestrated by God. And you need to be able to discern the difference. Because there are certain storms that you need to, you, you, you need to recognize that that's the enemy and you need to be able to stand and rebuke it. But if it's a, if it's a tempest that God has orchestrated, there's no point in in uh, rebuking the storm. It's bracing your faith to say, God, let's go to the other side. All right. Anyway, the gospel. <laughs> I mean, how many of you have ever rebuked things that you found out later God was in it? And that's, there's an important need to discern the difference. Because otherwise you'll be rebuking God. It is through faith from beginning to end. God puts people right with himself through faith from beginning to end. As the scripture says, the person who is put right with God through faith shall live. See, the point is, no matter, no matter where the storm comes from the point is that you're going to live the point is that God's purpose is to bring you life and bring it more abundantly the point is that God wants you to have life in in a higher dimension than than what you could ever have without him that that there's a there is a there is a crown of life living that's victorious in everything and every aspect that God wants you to to have and he sent Jesus for the purpose of unveiling that. Now as we get into this today, what we're going to talk about is your imagination. And I, I think this is going to challenge you and I think it's going to, you know, you're going to have to uh, write down these verses. They're going to, you know, they're going to, uh, because this is a subject that I personally have never really 
heard too much addressed about, other than in a negative way. And so we're going to talk about your imagination in the way that God intended it, the way that God God made it. Now, there are three things about this that you'll look at. If you have a new version app, you can go on live events. This is all on there. You should have an insert with this outline on it. And uh, there are three categories of imagination. There's some things that we shouldn't imagine. You know, the Bible talks about uh, in Genesis 6-5 where the imaginations of man's heart became so evil that God decided he was going to destroy the earth. That was in Noah's day. And that was, you know, that was because men drifted far from God. And when you get away and disconnected from God, this imagination will only, it will only concoct things that are against and separated and disconnected from God. That doesn't mean your imagination is evil. It means that your imagination is being influenced, and that's what happened in Noah's day when men's hearts uh, were just evil. That's because of the disconnection from God. Paul talked about men who refused to worship God, and they became vain in their imaginations. The vanity of their imagination was, again, disconnected from God. They drifted and their imaginations took them to a place that they should not have gone. Because that's the power of imagination. The power of imagination is it will take you places. Now, secondly, there's some things that we can't imagine. The Bible says that I have not seen, neither ear heard, nor neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him. There's just some things that no matter how hard you try, you just can't imagine. You can't imagine just how great heaven is going to be. But I can, I have a really good imagination. And even then he says, you just can't even imagine what I have prepared for you. Hallelujah. So that's good. But it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't mean we can't think about it or shouldn't think about it. It's just that we're not going to be able to imagine all that God has for us. Thirdly, there are some things we should imagine. Now the scripture talks about the fact that that uh, even though eye hath not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man, that um, does talk about the fact though that God gives us an ability to imagine with him. In, uh, I was reading this week in 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm not going to take time to go there today, but you should write that down and read it. It's David's conversation with God when he wanted to build God a house. And he said, God, we live in these houses and, and you live, you live in a tent that, and he was talking about the tabernacle that they still kept the ark in. And David's, David's heart and his dream and his imagination was to build a magnificent house for God. And so God honored David's desire, although he did not let him personally build it. He said, I'm going to let your son build it because of because that's just my plan. But David gathered all the things and he imagined and laid the plans and put all the, all the things in preparation for Solomon to build the house. You should read that in 2 Samuel 7. It's a powerful demonstration. And then, and, and then it says, in, again, now think about this. Now unto him, this is Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do above all we ask or think. So if you, if you begin to think with God, God says, that's awesome. And I, you know what? I can do even better than you can think. And how many of you can think pretty big things? Amen. Pastor Mike. And, and there's just a powerful thing in that, that God, God knows the power of this. And we're going to look at that this morning. I'm going to move right along. And let's go here to point one. The imagination, number one, the, your imagination shapes your life. It shapes your life. Now again, when I'm talking about imagination, I'm talking about your thoughts. And the, and the, the things that you think, they shape your life. You, have, you, are, you are today the sum total of the thoughts that you have thought. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
Are you with me? So listen to me, church. God, God says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So man, man has this wonderful capability of thinking high thoughts. Can I read you a few quotes that I have about imagination? I wrote them down. I, I just, I, and these are like some secular things before I get all Bible on you. Okay, l- listen to this. Logic will get you from A to B, but imagination will get you everywhere. That's what Einstein wrote. Logic will get you from A to B, but imagination will get you everywhere. Ben Okri said, when you can imagine, you begin to create. You see, every, everything that we have done as, as people, as a, as a, as a people, as a, as individuals, everything we have created, he says, when you begin to create, or, or, or I'm sorry, when you, when you can imagine, you begin to create, and when you begin to create, you realize that you can create a world that you prefer to live in rather than a world that you're suffering in. Think about it. Think a few years ago. People, people died because there was just, this really isn't all that many years ago. Do you know that if you got sick, if you got an infection, they did some crazy things because nobody had thought of the fact that no, nobody had really even seen a thing like bacteria. And so they did things like bloodletting and and, and, and sometimes the, the, the cures they tried were worse than the diseases. And if you got an infection, you just died. And then the guy had this thought. He said, there's got to be something behind this. You know, I mean, part of it too could have been, I, I was in a, I was at a place in a, in a civil war museum and it showed all the medical tools that they used. And it was crazy. I mean, they used like saws that look like saws that you cut trees with. And the thing about it was they just cut one guy's leg off. Then they took that same saw over and cut another guy's leg off with it. Why? Because they didn't know anything about sterilization. Hello? Then some guy got this thought. He goes, maybe this is all caused by something. And, 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 and he thought this all through and, and he came up with this thing called penicillin. How many of you know that's probably a good thing? <laughs> oh, y'all, you're going to be that way today, I see. All right. All right. I mean, that's how things got done. Let me finish this quote. He says, when you can imagine, you begin to create. And when you begin to create, you realize you can create a world that you prefer to live in. I prefer to live in a world where I don't have to die of an infection. I prefer to live in a world where I don't have to be subject to, to, to all the fears and, and phobias that, that are surrounding us. Hello. So I, I, I want to live in a world that, that, that can be created and that's what God, and that's what, that's a powerful thing. Here's, here's one. Here, here's like one of the greatest prophets of all time. He said, think left, think right, think low, think high. Oh, the thinks you can think if up, think up only if you try. Let me say that again. Think left, think right, think low, think high. Oh, the thinks you can think up if only you try. That was Prophet Seuss. I grew up on Dr. Seuss. You know, and, and think about it. Think about as children. Think about how, as children, we grow up in a world where, where we're, we're, we have these, our kids wonderful in their imaginations. And you know what we do with kids? We can't wait for them to get up, get grown up enough that we, we, we can help them stop imagining. Stop that. You're acting like a child. No, wait a minute. Who said imagination is just, relegated to children 
But the problem is we don't understand imagination and, and we don't understand the power of imagination. We don't understand how God uses our imagination. Look, at here's how God got Abraham. Abraham, Abram was his original name and Abraham means father, right? The problem was, you know, God comes to him and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation. Which was interesting because Abraham didn't have any children. And then God, in his 90s, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father to father of many. Are you with me? And Abraham goes, that's kind of cool, God, but I don't know if you notice or not, but I don't have any children and me and Sarah are getting old. 90 years old is not usually when people start family planning. In fact, they're not planning much of anything around children at 90. Hello? And God takes Abram out of his tent, walks him outside, because Abram's in his tent, and he's saying, you promised me, you said this, and here I am, I'm almost a hundred, and none of these things have happened. God said, get up and get out, and he stepped out, and he said, now Abraham, look up, and he, Abraham looks up, and he says, you see, what, what do you see? He says, I see all these stars. He said, if you can count the number of these stars, so can you, you'll be able to count the number of your children who's going to come after you. What was God trying to spark in Abraham? An imagination. He was able to look up. See, that's how God gets us from where we are to where we need to be. Even in the presence of God this morning. See, some of you, God was speaking to you about your dashed hopes and your dreams. And there's a flash of God that says, look, step out of your tent. Step out of where you are. And look up and watch and see if I don't have something to say to you, to do in you, to bring you out of where you are and do something that you've never seen seen, never walked in, never had. That's what God does in our imagination. Because listen to me, before you can ever have faith, you have to see it. And you can never see it until God quickens your mind. Ooh, hallelujah. Sit back down right here. Here's, here's what God says. You with me? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So listen, how you think and look at yourself is what contains you. I just love the way the Spirit of the Lord was moving. The first thing Kim gets up here and she says, God, help us to get outside of the box or not to put you in a box. You know how we put God in a box? We put him in the parameters of our world. And what God's trying to do is get you out of your world and get you into his world. Because in his world, God is bigger. God is greater. God is more powerful. God is all in all in his world. And it, it, here's the question. Do you just want God in your world or do you want to live in his world? I'd like a nice little box of God, please. And I'm just going to keep him with me because, you know, it's cool to have God with you. And when I need God, I'm just going to pull him out. Oh, I got money. How did that happen? That's my imagination. Whoa, I'm gonna, I, think, I was thinking McDonald's today, honey. We can go to Burger King. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so... And so, so we, 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 we tend to put God into our world and that's why God is contained because God is bigger than your world. God is more awesome and God has more, listen, God's plans are bigger than your plans. God, would you please help me? I just like to, I just like to have a little peace in my house. Really? God says, I'm going to show you how to have peace everywhere the sole of your feet tread. 
I'm going to show you how to walk into impossible situations and speak to them and watch doors open and demons flee because you just showed up. Hallelujah. As a man thinketh in his heart, be careful. I let, now this, is, this is my, like, I call this my life verse. I, I have a couple. The Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, uh, you know, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's the King James Version. That's how I've memorized most of the, the, the Bible that I have memorized, which I have portions of it committed to memory because the Word of God is quick powerful, sharper than two-edged sword. The Holy Ghost speaks Bible. So if you want to converse with the Holy Ghost, you better know the Bible. Well, I didn't cost you nothing, but that's just a little side trail. We're here with The reason some of you can't, you can't interpret God is because you don't know the Bible. And the things that you think are coming from God are not really coming from God because they don't line up with the Bible. And if it don't line up with the Bible, it ain't God. Period. Period. If it don't line up with the Bible, it's not God. And do you want to chase things that are not God or do you want to go after God? Don't say, oh, I want God and then ignore the Bible because it doesn't work. So anyway, it says in Proverbs 4.23 in the King James, keep your heart with all diligence. But I love this version in the TV. This is, this is why I love reading different versions. I'm not here, you know, and don't come up to me and say, but I don't read other versions because I only read the version that Paul wrote. Then Paul wrote the King James Bible. That's not true. Paul didn't write the King James. Paul wrote the New Testament, Paul Paul wrote in the New Testament Greek language called Koine. And the King James Bible was translated in 1611 by some scholars that King George hired. Hello. I love the King James. But I also love, I love every version that brings the word of God closer and alive to me. Here's what the TEV says of Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. How's that? Guard your heart with all diligence. Be careful how you think. You know, most of you sitting here today, who, who you, you actually think you have a controversy with God? Can I just assure you that God has no controversy with you? The controversy you're having is with your own thoughts. And if you don't win the victory in your thought life, you will never win the victory. We're learning that in the negativity fast. Ooh, God is just rocking us. Praise God. <laughs> I'm just telling you, God, talk about a perfect tempest. I, things, I just think them. It used to be I'd say them, and then the Holy Spirit would say, wrong. Now I just think them. And the Holy Spirit says, wrong. What, would ha- what, what happens is eventually I stop thinking all that negative stuff and I just keep walking out the truth. And the truth makes you... I'm talking about me. I know, I know y'all are perfect. Y'all don't have any trouble with bad thoughts. I do. I do. I have to daily pull down strongholds. Are you with me? I have to moment by moment watch where my mind goes. Hello? Guard your thoughts. Watch how you think. Because what it says, you are shaped by your thoughts. Because here's what happens. So you think it, and then you act on it. And then as you act on it, it becomes a part of you or it shapes your character. Sow a thought, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Oh, God, change me. Well, if you want God to change me, you're going to have to change your thoughts. 
You see, many times we want God to swoop in and do something supernatural and miraculous. And God says, look, I'm right here. Well, what you got to do is guard your thoughts. Arrest your thoughts. You with me? Y'all are wonderful. So he says this, Genesis 11, 6. The Lord said, you know this story, this is at the Tower of Babel. The word Babel means confusion. All the, all the, after, after Adam's fall and in the ensuing time, you know, the people got together and they, they decided to build a tower toward heaven. And uh, if you read Genesis chapter 11, it's a really powerful chapter. Again, I don't have, I'm not going to take time to take you through the whole chapter, but you should read the chapter because it tells the story of how the people came together. And they said, this is what it said. And the Lord said, now that they are one people speaking one language. See, this is actually the secret to, to any kind of real growth in anything. First of all, get people speaking the same thing. The church could learn something from Babel. Yeah, we, if, if the church just got speaking the same language, saying the same thing, and this is then and, and and committed to the same cause, he said, then this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Now, see, he's not talking, listen to me, just because they were imagining a bad thing, people want to throw out imagination. But just like thought, not all thoughts are evil, but you've got to arrest the wrong ones. Not all imagination is evil, but you've got to bring the, your imagination in submission to the word of God. They were, they were going to build a temple or build a tower to heaven, which was not the plan of God, had nothing to do. It was man asserting himself and trying to be his own God is what it amounted to. And God came in and he sent confusion of the languages. That's where the word Babel comes from. The confusion of languages. And then the people went off by their languages. And this is how the different nations of the world began in, in different languages. Isn't it interesting that God used the confusion of tongues to disperse the people and the promise of God in these last days is he's going to send tongues to bring the church back into unity and oneness to win the entire world. Hallelujah. That's another rabbit trail. I'm not going down. But see, the point is this, man's imagination was was shaping things god had to had to do something with it that was the whole purpose of Babel. let's go on really quick imagining is essential to living by faith imagining is essential to living by faith hebrews 11 1 says what is faith it is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen, it is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. So what happens is, is you begin to see. There's two kinds of seeing. There's the natural eye and there's a spiritual eye. You with me? And he says, faith is the ability to see with your spiritual eyes what God is doing. And it's the evidence of things we cannot see in the natural, but we begin to see it in the spirit. We begin to see it in our heart. We begin to imagine a life of victory, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of salvation. You begin to think about those things. And if your faith gets a hold of that and says, well, bless God, why can't I live like that? Why can't? I'm not going to settle for anything less than a life of victory. I'm not going to settle for anything less than my life and my family, my kids, my marriage. Walking in the will of God. I'm not going to settle for anything less. Can you say amen? Once your faith comes alive, then you grab a hold of it. Because until then, you'll just go like a wind and a wave tossed by the sea. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. See, whatever you can see is temporal. It's passing. You see this stand? It's temporal. It's passing. It won't be here. It may not even be here next week. We, we never know around here. Things change fast. And, and this thing is temporal. It'll, it'll pass away. But the things that you cannot see are not temporal. They're eternal. 
What's more important, the things that you can see or the things that you cannot see, but your faith gets a hold of? You should live your life by faith. The just shall live by faith. We don't give our lives to things we can see. We give them to things we cannot see. I sow into eternity. I do what I do because I'm sowing into something that I can't see necessarily with my natural eye, but I see it in the spirit. Can you say amen? And so he says that imagining is essential to living by faith. Some people, some people, you know, have struggles with this because, because that it's really a faith thing that they cannot see what clearly what God is trying to do. And so imagining is essential to living by faith. Great lives are built around great dreams. Listen to this. Great lives are built around great dreams. Ephesians 1.18 says, May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so you can see the hope of that His calling holds for you. Amen. That is a really powerful verse, isn't it? May God enlighten your spiritual eyes, the eyes of your mind, the eyes of your imagination, so you can see the hope that His calling holds for you. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Every, everything requires vision, the ability to see in your life. That's what faith is all about, and that's how faith operates, your ability to see into these unseen realms. Can I just tell you from my heart, I, I, I feel like, I just feel like I've got I've to say this for the sake of some of you sitting here. Some of you, your faith has been rocked because you put your faith in something temporal. You put your faith in a person who's passing away. You put your faith in a relationship that is only temporary. You put your faith in money which will perish. You put your faith in a job that may or may not be here a year from now. You put your faith in something other than God. And because you, you have to be able, because we say, well, I have to be able to, I have to be able to see it, touch it, taste it. But let me tell you something. When you put your faith in God, you put your faith in something you cannot see, but you're more sure of what you cannot see because you're basing it on a powerful promise that God, who is not a man, cannot lie. So what's the first thing the enemy going to do when he comes against you? He's going to come and take your vision. Hello? Every one of you here are in a battle over vision. Where there is no vision, what happens? There's a perishing situation. Are you with me? Where there's no vision, people perish. So like, when you have vision, your faith comes alive, and you start believing for, for things that, 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 that have never even been before. And then what happens is, because of vision, there's a salvation that's released. So there's either perishing or salvation. How many of you want to be on the salvation side? Get a vision. How many of you know your children, your family needs to see your vision? Because your vision in your family sets a course for them to walk. Where there is no vision, the children will run wild. You have to have vision. Sometimes, how many know the walk gets hard? Sometimes your flesh wants to do something that, that, that doesn't line up, and you have to, by faith, hold on to what you cannot see in order to walk out the vision that God has given you as a person. And then there's salvation released. You know, I, remember, I remember when I came to this church to, to pastor full-time, which is coming up on almost six years ago. When I came to the, this church, the, 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 at that particular time, and 
up to that time for a long time, there was actually, there was no, there was no plan, there was no vision for outreach or even missions. The, the year before, I think the church had given like $1,800 to missions. When I came in, it was in my heart, Lord, I, I want to do, I want, I want to, my vision was to see the world reached. And even though we're not a, we're not a large group of people, I, I wanted to start. And, and, and I believed God for a, for a, a, an increase in that area. And the first year that I took this church six years ago, we took that $1,800 missions the year before. And that year we gave over $30,000 to missions. Uh, you see, that had to come. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you, God put it in my heart that as a church, see, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to be carriers of the gospel, then we've got to, we've got to be living and leading and, and setting the vision out and, and people will grab hold of it. And that year the church responded and we gave $30,000 to missions. And then my imagination started rolling. And I thought, well, if we could do that for the, the next year, let, let's shoot for, let's shoot for a good increase. And the second year we did it, we gave $60,000 to missions. Because my vision was to, re- and now, and, and, and we just can't, we, we, listen, this has been a battle. This is a battle. But you see, can I just, can I give you a little glimpse into my heart? I saw myself in my faith, this is my faith. This is my vision. I saw us as a church, me as your pastor, writing one check for one missions project of $100,000. You say, well, Pastor Mike, that's impossible. <laughs> With God, there's nothing impossible. And then I thought about this. Well, God says, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or even think. And I'm saying, God, maybe $100,000 isn't big enough. You see, where there's no vision, people perish. But we began sowing into that. We're sowing into it. I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to take up an offering. And I'm going to tell you why I'm taking up this offering. It's for missions. We have two of our very own, Henry and Marie, that are going on a missions trip. Also right now in, in the States, John Beasley has come home. And uh, John's, it's been years for John to get back to the United States. And he was able to get his wife a visa because he could not get her a visa and get her home. And, and I just, I just, I, I wanted to, I, as a church, I wanted to receive an offering this morning for missions, for this missions trip, for a portion to go to John while he's here. It took everything he had just to get here. Hello. We've been supporting John in the Dominican Republic for years. Ever, in fact, if you want to go way back in this story, we were the sending church for John to the Dominican. Yes. And so, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow into missions. Now, here's the thing too. Maria is going to get to see Jamal in Jordan on this trip. And I just would love to send a little love offering to Jamal too. Is that would that be all right? I mean, they're over there like they're ministering to tens of thousands of refugees, Muslims who are coming to Jesus because of what they're doing. 
How many of you want to go to Jordan? Me either. But I'm so thankful for the Jamals of this world that are there and whom we can support and say, hey, we're with you. And he sends his love. Every time he calls, he says, tell, tell City Point how much we love and appreciate what they're doing. We're one of his number one. He said, he said we're his number one supporting church. And I'm like, man, I, 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 thank, I thank God for that. I want you to bow your heads. I just want you to listen to God. I don't have any, I'm not going to put, I'm not here to work you. I'm not even here to, to try to give you, to tell you what to do. I'm here to receive this offering and we're just going to bless missions with this offering today. We've been going really hard at working on this church for the last six weeks. And I just feel like it's time to take a breath and say, okay, it's time to, to reach out. It's time to do something beyond this. Father, I just pray you'll speak to hearts right now. Speak to hearts right now. Holy Spirit, just have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to bring the offering baskets up, and then you guys can sit down, leave the offering baskets up. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm not done. But as you get it ready, you can just come right up, even while I'm preaching. Yeah, just come in and drop it in. You ready? I'm going to keep going. Don't You're not going to bother me. In fact, if you give enough money, I'll stop and shout with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you. All right, so I want you to keep going. I've got some more important things to say here as we go. We're, we're, we're doing good. We're, we're good on time. Here's the here's another point right here. God's dream for my life. Oh, yeah, they had it up there. You can text to give on this and just designate it for uh, guest. Designate it for guest, so we know that it's separate. If you just type guest and then the amount six four one three two 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 two. All right, thank you, Alec. Um, or Tina, I don't, you're all so wonderful. I love them. So let me go on here as you're just responding. And I just thank God for you. I really do. This, this church is just amazing. I just appreciate you so very much. Listen to this. God's dream for my life is bigger than my dream. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess, or request in your wildest dreams. This is out of the message. I love the message. He does it not by pushing us around, but by his spirit working deeply and gently within us. Isn't that powerful? God's spirit says, says I'm going to just work in you. I'm not pushing you around. So that's the thing. I don't, I'm not here to push people around. I'm not here to... I'm not here to but I think my job as a leader is to spark vision in you. And then people with vision will, will do things. Amen. People who have vision, you can't contain them. And I, I want to be a pastor with vision. Uh, these young people have a hard time keeping up with this old man. I'm hurt. I ache. I just don't tell them. They're young. They can do it again and again and again. I go, I got I to gotta go home. I got to go home. I feel the Lord calling me to prayer. Prayer and medication. I want to be a pastor of vision. Here's, here's, here's my, you want Mike's translation of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen? Without a vision, people will find another parish. I think people want to buy, listen, people aren't going to buy into me. I want them to buy into the vision. Don't buy into me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a man. 
But I have this vision of us reaching our city. I have this vision of a church where Jesus is exalted and He is the focus of everything and not politics and not positions and not titles and not names. I want to pastor a church where people love Jesus more than anything and they're jealous over Him and they'll carefully guard their their lives and their hearts and where they'll honor each other and love each other and fight for each other, not with each other. So God's dream for my life, you know, I, I, I listen, I kind of feel like Joshua. I'm like, Lord, you, 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 this is my mountain. I want it. I want this city. I want this city. I want this city. God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. God's dream is so far beyond and the Holy Spirit's working in you. God's dream for your marriage is bigger than your dream. Can I get an amen? God's dream for your children is bigger than your dream. I know as children, as parents, our hearts break over our children. But how's this? God loves them more than you do. And God's at work even when you feel like, oh my God, what's going on with my kids? Let your dreams, your imagination fuel your prayer and call your children to life because God's given you the ability to speak life into them. Speak to those dry bones. Hallelujah. You're God's mouth in that situation. Will you speak for God? Or he's like, oh God, I just don't know what's going to happen to my children. Here's what, here's what you should say. Oh God, I know my children are coming to the gospel. My children are going to serve you all the days of their life. My children are going to walk in obedience to God. My children are going to be used mightily in the kingdom of God. My children are going to thrive as sons and daughters, apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, Avengers, my children will live and not die. Shout amen, somebody. I feel like Brother Shambach right there. Hallelujah. That's how faith operates. God's dream is bigger. So if God's dream is bigger, what do you think Satan's number one attack against you is? What do you think his number one attack is to you? To destroy your dream. Hello? He wants to destroy your dream. How does he do that? He gets you to swap your dream for something lesser. He wants you to sell yourself short for something lesser. Are you with me? So if you're, if you're sitting here today, I want to tell you how many of you know that you're going to have to fight for your dream. God's dream is bigger, but you're going to have to fight for it. And what you need to do is let the size of your God determine your dream, not your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances tell you this is as big as this can be or as great as it can get. It's not going to get any better, but this is what it is. That's not the parameters of God's blessing. God lays out a great parameter and he says, I'm going to bless you. And everything you put your hand to, I'll bless it too. And when you go out, I'm going to bless you. And when you come in, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless everything you put your hand to. But because of that, the enemy is going to try to tell you God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. Look at how come, how could you be in this This is what he told Eve is the same old thing. How, how come you're here looking at this? And God says, he knows, he says, he says, God knows if you eat that, you're going to be like, he's holding out on you. He's shortchanged you. He's cheated you. He's lied to you. He's come. He's not going to be good to you. And Eve got deceived and she sold out the dream. She sold out her faith in God. Can you say, oh me? How many of you have ever come? Listen, I've been there. When we sang that song, it just wrecked me. Your love is like a tempest. How many of you know, my, I, I came to God in a tempest. 
It took a storm to wake me up. It took a carefully orchestrated tempest to wake up my heart. Because I was plunging into death. Because I'd lost my vision, lost my dream, lost my hope, lost my way. So I got somebody, I'm going to ask somebody to come up here today. Today they, this is, they celebrate an anniversary. This is a person who we've all been mightily blessed and we've all just been the recipients of the anointing that flows through her life and, and yet a few years ago the enemy almost took her life. This is Liz. Hi Liz. Get up here in the middle here. I want you. I want people to see you. Don't don't hide back. Come on up here. This is Liz. This is a. This is like an anniversary. And I wanted you to celebrate with her. Because she came this close to losing her dream, losing her life, losing her way. Why don't you tell me just a little bit about how that happened? So um, most of you know that uh, I was a drug addict, um, very young. At How stay. young? Um, well, I started drugs at 13, and I was a full drug addict at the age 18, heroin addict and pills and drinking. Um, at the age of 16, I was pregnant, and... Um, um, you asked me to speak on dreams and hopes, but as you were speaking today and you were thinking about the imagination, I didn't really have an imagination for my life. Or I didn't have an imagination at all. Um, being a statistic of a divorced family and uh, then getting pregnant myself at 16, having a child at 17, being in a verbally in a whatever abusive relationship, I didn't have goals, really. I didn't have a positive outlook on my life. I was a negative Nancy man. I was a not nice person. Um, and doing drugs was my way of slipping out of that reality and like just not thinking about it. But one of the biggest, well, I guess I came up with two things that I missed out on most. The number one would be my education. And I wish these little kids were in here today so I could speak to them. But maybe one day I'll do that separately. Um, after high school, um, I've, I had my child, my senior year of high school. And um, I was sober then, obviously. Praise God that I was sober during my pregnancy. But um, I guess you just do anything and everything to try to keep your family together. And that's what I had chosen to do. Um, at that moment in time, it was a bad relationship. And instead of furthering my education, I used that time to get high because it was time away from my child that I knew I wasn't affecting her and uh, spend that time with my child's father. And that was the only way I could spend that time with him. So I really let the only thing I had going for me at that moment in my life was my education, and I let that go. I dropped out of college my first year, um, and it's hard. It was so hard. It was hard on my family. It was hard on everybody around me. Um, I look at back now, it's hard on my child. I mean, I know now, by the grace of God, I have some type of education. I became a phlebotomist in 2013, but it's only harder for me now because I have to work 20 times harder to do what other what I could have done one times harder back then. And that's all because I just didn't have faith in myself. God had faith in me, but I didn't let that faith flow through me. It even destroyed your ability to be a good mom, too, didn't it? Your mom had yeah. to step in. Thank God yeah. that Kim, who was up here doing the transition, yeah. 
had to step in because see when you give over when you give over your dreams and your future and your your destiny and your purpose that the enemy's not satisfied with just taking that he, he's out for everything and um so I want you to talk about the the tempest that brought you to that life changing moment and then what we're cel- what we're celebrating today so um, my tempest was on March 9th, 2010. I was a full-blown drug addict. I had been kicked out of my house since I think it was October 2009. Um, for the better of the good, obviously, I was not, did not need to be around my child. And I praise God my mom did not let me be around my child. Um, I had lived with my boyfriend at the time and three other dudes. <laughs> That's what you want to call them. And um, it was just a really bad ordeal. I was just partying and drugs, and that's how I lived my life. And um, that led to a lot of hurt and things that held me back from anything and everything. Um, but on March 2000, in, in March 2010, I was arrested. I uh, had drugs in the car, drugs in my system. I don't recall being arrested. I woke up in the jail cell three days later, and they were, like, threatening to put me in a turtle suit um, for suicide watch because I wasn't eating. And um, it was then when I woke up, and I was like, whoa, where am I, God? Like, I had no idea where I was, and... I didn't even realize I had my phone calls already. I didn't realize whatever. I was withdrawing for 10 days in a holding cell. It was, it was painful. Um, but all I remember was that I wasn't, I don't know how to, I wasn't like alarmed and I wasn't fearful and I wasn't afraid and I wasn't, I was at such a peace in that holding cell. I wasn't afraid that I was in Porter County Jail anymore. I wasn't afraid that I was living on the streets, basically, because at that time I was kicked out of that house that I was living at. I wasn't afraid that um, of hurting my family anymore. I wasn't afraid that I wasn't going to be able to get high anymore. I was in Porter County Jail with the safety of God, and he had spoken to me at that moment in time, Elizabeth, this is your time. You choose me, and you will live. If you choose to go back to that, you will die. And I just cried out then, you know, God, I do choose you. And from that moment on, I've been drug-free for the past seven years. Hallelujah. So it's a simple, it's a choice. It's a choice that you made. Yeah. Just like you made choices to get to there, there was a choice to make to choose God. And he told you, he laid it out pretty clearly, didn't he? Choose me and live. Yeah. Or go back and die. Mm -hmm. Because really that, you know, that's what the Bible says. Behold, I've set before you today life and death. In life is faith, the dreams, the, the, the power to see your life walk in a redemptive purpose. Choose life that thou and thy seed may live. That's what it says. So when you make that choice for life, you're not only making it for you, you're making it for your seed. Because can I tell you also, when you choose death, you're choosing not only death for yourself, but you're opening up your seed to the exposure of death. Which, how do you know it has a, that has an influence on them as well? So God says, choose life and you and your seed will live. And then God in his gracious kindness, let this tempest come up, speaks to her. That was seven years ago, March, March 9th. 9th. Isn't it awesome that you have a day and a time. And now you, you look and, 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 and God just restored her. I have the pictures of some of the pictures, and I, and I I didn't post them, but we're gonna make a we're gonna put this all in a of a, a powerful testimony video and 
take you through this and add the meat to this. But but then, so God, God just, he not only saved her, but he's, he's in this process, he's been restoring her. And we've been watching Liz just come to life and watching God restore her dreams and getting back to school, going into a career and, and, and being a great mom of a great kid and, and, and being a part of a great family and watching God, what God's doing in this family because what God's, what God's doing in these families is what God's trying to do in everybody's families. He's trying to bring us back to life again. And some of you are holding on for dear life for your children. And your children may be in that tempest right now. But this is no time for you to back up or stop or go negative and go say, well, I just don't, I don't, there's just no hope. And I don't even know, I can't even pray anymore. No, it's, it's all the more important. You, you call out to God and you realize that the prayers of a righteous man or woman avail much because when you give fervent and effectual prayer it moves the heart of God because God is ready to restore people restore dreams restore visions and I want to tell you it's let's stand and let's just shout to God this morning for this victory right here this is a miracle this is a miracle this is a miracle of epic proportions Hallelujah, God is good. We worship you, God. We praise you. And God, I release that anointing for restoration. And our sons and daughters, our families, our city is coming to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can sit down. Thank you, Lord. So before you, before you sit down, Liz, and thank you for, for sharing this. So what do you think about these dreams in your life? Where are we, where, you're not at the end yet, are you? Tell, tell, tell us about what, I mean. Definitely What's not. God speaking to you? Well, it was funny when you had texted me about like where, you know, how drugs not only destroyed you, but your dreams and your future. Because I was talking to Brenda and I have been talking to my mom lately. I've always, my whole life only ever had two dreams. It was one where like. I always I fell in at Sea World and got stung by a sea ray and died. And then when I had my child, it was I was running through the <laughs> I was running through the woods and then my child because my child was abducted. But in the past two weeks, um, I've actually had dreams of like revelance that of God to have been given me. I've been waking up in the middle of the night like, wow, God, you really okay? Did you just give me that? Like, <laughs> so I'm a dreamer now, I guess. And I'm like, okay, God, you're birthing that in me. And I actually had a dream where I was like being rebirthed so I'm a dreamer now and I know these past seven years have been so rough and there it's not easy and I um I don't cry I cry a lot now I'm very emotional but um I am so thankful that I've been given this life because without it I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be able to be who I am today I wouldn't be able to you know, stand right there on this worship team and just give it all to God and be, you know, next to these people who love, and I love them all too. I wouldn't be able to have a loving eight-year-old daughter who I thought once I could never provide for, but because of God and everything he's done for me, I can provide for. And, you know, I wouldn't have a family who has done everything and everything for me, Who you know, despite for me stealing and doing everything against them so i praise god for everything he's done for me and restored in me so would you do me one more favor everybody stand i want you to pray for people here today i want you to pray for the restoration of dreams the restoration of godly imagination now there's a difference between a taco bell dream and a god dream you know that right God dreams have a purpose. They have a they they have a inspirational aspect. They they inspire you to keep going. God dreams have a have a, a ability to spark you and and motivate you. So I want you to pray for those dreams to be restored. Maybe there's people here this morning that are struggling. Maybe they've all maybe they've let go of their dreams. So. Pray for us. 
Father God, we come to you right now knowing that you know every need of every person in this room. We ask that you would just release your Holy Spirit in this room, Father God, dear Jesus. We ask that you would touch every heart that is in this room and every heart that wanted to be in this room but was unable to attend, dear Jesus. We ask that you would just release your Holy Spirit into everybody right now. We ask that you would give these people dreams again, Father God, dear Jesus. We ask that you would give these people visions of you, Father God, dear Jesus, from you, dear Jesus. We ask that you, Father God, would just open their minds and open their hearts and open their ears, Father God, dear Jesus. In the verse Amanda read today, it said that if we were just to call upon you, you are never to turn your ear from us. So if these people were to just cry out here today, Father God, dear Jesus, and say, I am all yours and I am ready to receive what you have for me, Father God, dear Jesus, you are willing to give it to them. So we ask you today for these people who are afraid, for these people who are feel have a fear of rejection or these people who feel that they are unworthy of it, dear, dear God, we ask that you would just fill them with the love that you have given them already. We ask that you would just remind them of the peace that you have already given them, dear Jesus. And we ask, Father God, dear Jesus, that you would just do this in your name. And we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to have the prayer team come right now quickly.